Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you personal and business growth tips. Today we have Jeff Burgess from BCD Video. Jeff, how are you doing today? Just fine, Eric. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, gladly. Um, happily married for 29 years, uh, three kids, etc. I've been in the IT business since 1979. Uh, was an IT reseller, uh, opened up my own company in 99 as an IT reseller, migrated over to uh, IP video in 2008 um, with um, about four people in the company. Got it, cool. So BCD Video, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what you guys do exactly and you know how, how are things going? Uh, well, things are going great. Um, what we do is we manufacture IP video like recorders, uh, that run the, the IP video cameras and projects all over the world, airports, arenas, hospitals, schools, retail stores, big box retail, etc. Uh, we work with great partners. We work with the leading camera manufacturers in the world, the leading video software manufacturers in the world, and we work with all the global and national like uh, security integrators. Um, and business is booming, not so much because of the tragedies that go on every day, um, but really we're seeing a lot more people using the video software for business intelligence, video analytics, what customers are doing, where customers are going in a store, etc. So a lot of positive stuff going on in the way of video surveillance, not just the negativity around it. Got it. Cool. So what made you want to jump from, you know, you worked in IT for a while, what made you decide to kind of do your own thing in the, you know, the video surveillance storage world? Well, it's interesting. You know, I just happened to like meet a guy. And, and like a same kind of blind date, like I met my wife, and, and um, we started the company as a like division. Uh, it just was pure opportunity. Um, he was looking for a system builder. We were building servers for IT Fortune 500 companies. One of those companies was GE, and their like security division. I didn't realize I was building video servers for the last six years. He kind of told me that I was, and we really on a white paper placemat at a breakfast the next day, mapped the whole strategy to take the company from IT to IP. And the timing was pretty good for the most part uh, because of what was going on in the IT world in, 20, in 2008 with the housing um, crisis and such. Okay, and, and pardon my ignorance, so IT, information technology, obviously, what does IP mean? Well, we, it's just a code. It's just it's basically internet protocol. It, it's it. kept okay. running over the internet. It's, it's basically video over IT. Is basically what it is. Video over IT. So I just okay. use the phrase IT to IP because it's easier for me to kind of link it that way. Got it. Cool. So company's been around for 35 years. Is that correct? No, I've been in the business for 35 years. Okay. The company's been around since 1999, and okay. we moved like 15 years. We moved into the IP world, if you will, as a division. You know, the original company was just called BCD. So BCD Video was a division of, and it's kind of taken a life force of its own. We really we have one IT customer left that we work with, and the rest of our market, you know, of our revenues coming, you know, completely from the IP like security integrators and distribution. Got it. And how are revenues looking today? Uh, very healthy. Uh, you know, we've. Uh, had we did thirty million dollars last year. Uh, we're forecasting fifty million dollars by twenty fifteen. Be about a forty percent growth. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. 
Okay. You know, it's funny. I, I read another interview or another article with you in it, and it seems like you guys have been growing year over year, and, and it's consistent for you guys. I mean, is this, you know, unique to kind of the IT slash IP world? You know, what, what, what kind of contributes to that growth? Well, you know, a lot of it is just is work ethic and, and uh, hard work. We've built a very solid infrastructure here to support $50 million of business today, not in two years, because we subscribe to the theory that you've got to have the infrastructure in place to like support that business. You can't get there first and try and scramble and get the right people and, and, and pieces in place because I don't think the market will wait for you to do that. So a lot of our growth has come, like I said, we're like prepared to do $50 million today. Um, you know we're but we're still in that process of getting the revenue. We've got the customers, we've got the products, uh, we've got the opportunities. And it's just a matter of when they come in. In our market, a lot of the projects that we work on are for schools that aren't even built yet, because a lot of the contractors have to get their bids in and all that. So a lot of times we'll see um, projects come to like fruition that are by you know two years old. Okay. Through. Got it. And so for you guys, I mean, you know, you talk about building an infrastructure for the future. You know, we're talking about $50 million. I mean, can you tell the audience and maybe walk them through your process of, you know, how you start to plan for the future? Do you have any key takeaways that can translate to, you know, different industries? Yeah, I, I, I you know, like I said, my background is IT. The guy who I met is, is, is straight from this market. But it's just the old IT infrastructure of building a solid foundation, and I honestly believe that comes from people, not from boxes and and your and your wire and all that. Um, we've really done a really great job in hiring people who are invested in the company. Um, they're engaged employees. We're very transparent as much as we can be with the employees. They all realize um, what we do, why we do it, who we do it with. And how vital they are to our success. You know, I, I'm old school. You know, I'm 57. Um, I still contend the most, the two most important people in the company are the shipper and the like receptionist, because she's the first impression and he's he's the last impression. Um, so we, we we really went out of our way to to invest in in, in hungry young um, young at heart at will people. Uh, who who get it and cross train and, and um, we've you know again I think being built as a Fortune 500 reseller really helped us because when we built our our CSR infrastructure it was all based upon proactive response um, you know really ad adhering to the needs and in some cases the demands of a Fortune 500 company and all we really did when we moved this over to the IP world was take that same infrastructure and just move the pipe. Because if you think about it, when you look at the global like security integrators out there, people like a Tyco or a Siemens or a Johnson Controls or all these great companies, they are no different than a Fortune 500 company in the way of size and scope. Got it. And you know, you talked about um you know, you, you talked about working with Fortune 500 companies. So, you know, when you when you first started out, and I always like to ask the question, you know, how did you acquire your first 100 customers? In this business? Yes. This, no. Uh, you know what? The good news is we only have 50. Okay. And, and by having 50, we have thousands. Because when you look at a lot of the global integrators that we work with, they've got branch offices all over the world. So by working with one, you're working with them all. 
Um, most of the, the gain was done by either walked in from either the camera or the software manufacturer because they saw our like solution as a solid platform to run their software on. Um, and then at that point, it was just mostly word of mouth. I mean, we do a lot of advertising into trade rags, you know, which is normal. We do a lot of Twitter and all that. But for the most part, it's just word of mouth and reputation. And one thing that's pretty amazing for us still is we've got a 100% retain rate wow. on every integrator that we've brought over who was using an off-the-shelf, even an off-the-shelf HP or a Dell you know, solution because we do have a different sauce for, for video. Video writes differently than IT data does. And you know, with my IT background, I've got that background on it. So that, I mean, that to me is the most incredible thing. And again, I don't believe that's your product as much as that's your service. We'll always be a services company first. I don't think we ever lost our way on that. And you can have a great product and lousy service and no one's gonna wanna buy your product. Got it. Cool, and that makes total sense. And you know, I want to backtrack a little bit. It sounds like everything—the foundation of everything—starts with people. So, you know, what do you do to kind of keep the people motivated? You know, do you have any you know special uh, profit-sharing, equity type of stuff that you can share with the audience, or uh, whatever it is, you know, to, yeah. to retain them? Yeah. Well, well, you know, we have obviously we have a, a great healthcare you know program, you know, Cadillac insurance that we that we invest in, you know, we share in. We've got a simple IRA. Um, you know all that stuff, but more importantly, I, I think just making them as engaged employees uh, that they 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 they're not just hitting keys all day. They know why they're hitting keys all day. Why would you think? I think the more you get your employees involved in 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 why what they do is vital to the overall picture. I, I I've had I've had great success in, in seeing employees grow and cross-train and, and move on to different positions in the company um, because they feel that you're part of something and not just if I'm not here it's no big deal and, and, and quite the contrary when they're not here it is a big deal for us got it okay no it sounds pretty vague but I mean it's it's really it's always worked for us got it yeah you know it's it's interesting because you know it sounds like everything you said you know you talked about being you know married for I, I believe it was 29 years right it, it sounds like you understand how to four years how many years it's 29 wonderful years. 29 wonderful years. See, I think that's a big statement in itself, and it's something we can talk about later. But it seems like you know, you know how to how to keep people happy overall, and, and that's something we can talk about later. So, yeah, um, it's tougher than employees, though. <laughs> um, okay, so you know when I go to your website, you know, going back to user acquisition, I, I look at you know, so how do we how do we buy some you know whatever how do we buy IP video surveillance storage, right? Um, you know, what, on your site, I see that the only way to buy is pretty much reaching out to territory sales reps as the main way. Um, do you guys sell online? And if not, you know, why? Well, first of all, we don't sell to the end user. We sell, our, my end user is the like security integrator, whether he buys it from us directly, you know, depending on their size or through one of our distribution partners in either North America, South America, or in uh, EMEA. Um, but we treat the integrator as our end customer on the theory that if, if, if they like our product and it's a consistent performing unit for him, he trusts it, then it's just like he has his go-to camera, his go-to software, we want to be his go-to box. And, and they're out there project by project using one of our, um, our you know, platforms. So we intentionally don't sell to the public directly. Um, that would be for the integrator because he's the, he's the one who's, it's not, you, you couldn't really buy my box and just go ahead and do a project. You, need, you still need the cameras and the, and the right. 
the other components. So uh, our website's more geared for the like security integrator and for the distribution salespeople. Got it. So it's much more specialized. Okay, great. So you know, one thing I read, did a little more research as well. You know, so you you describe yourself as kind of a, a non techie person. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm technical okay. to a point. Okay, so uh, you know, more or less, uh, we'll just say, you know, how does a, how does a person that's technical to a point end up hiring so much great talent? You know, what's one secret you can share with the audience on that? Well, a, a lot of it is um, is that gut feeling when you first interview for opener, but a lot of it is their background, and we look at resumes carefully. Are they gypsies? Are they a year here, a year there, a year there, or do they have you know, uh, long lives at certain locations, and we understand why people leave jobs and stuff. Um, we've got other people in the hiring process beyond me uh, who are more technical. So we've got like the senior technical engineer here, uh, who he would be the first pass anyways, because he's the one who's going to make sure that they have the certifications and all the things we need. Uh, we have great partnerships with all the major technical companies, you know, HP especially, um, where we do certification through them. Um, so, but most of it's really gut. I mean, and you know, we've made like mistakes, uh, you know, but I mean, more often than not, you know, it's, it, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on chemistry. You know, we've got 30, 30 employees today. We're probably gonna have like 40, 45 within 12 months. And it's really important that there's a chemistry uh, and if you will, kind of like a team sport where you, you know, you're, you're all playing together for one purpose. And that's a big part of our hiring is do they play well with others? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, I want to go back to the, you know, 29 happy years of marriage. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs watch this show and it's not easy. You know, people are so focused on, on, on business. You know, what's your secret to being married for so long and being married for you know it's not only just 29 years it's 29 wonderful years you know what's the secret hey, there you, you probably have to ask my wife because I don't know how she does it um, <laughs> uh, all I can tell you is I kiss her goodbye every morning at 530 and um, I keep waiting for the dream to end how's that so um, it, it's just compromise and knowing each other and uh, respecting each other I mean and I think it's a respect more than anything um, it, yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer, but um, it's I, I respect her more than anybody in the world. Okay, great. Maybe it's maybe the key is just respect. Maybe it's as simple as that. So, maybe. okay, the what really interests me is you, you talk about having uh, you know retaining one hundred percent of your clients. You know, do you think what percentage do you attribute that to the actual product? You know, is it it's a service? You know, what exactly is the secret sauce there? Well, I, I think the product is, is certainly uh, is the uh, is the attention getter because um, it, it is different than off the shelf. You know, we have a twenty three percent higher performance for video than off the shelf even HP, and yet we build on HP because we so we do add our own technology into the build in, in the build that's optimized for video streams and all that stuff. So I think that's the first attention getter. You know, price is always always important. Um, you know, no matter what the market you're in, people are looking at price. Uh, we're never going to be the lowest people on the street. We do position our product as a one-time five-year cost for the cost of the project. It will run for five years. When there are hard drive issues, and that does happen in anybody's server, everything's fixed remotely. It's all done on-site, third-party by HP. 
the integrator doesn't have to spend any extra money by putting labor out in the street to help fix that server. So that's been good. But I mean, I think the service carries a day because um, it because it, if you don't have the good service, no matter how good the product is, and it, it, people want to deal with people who are easy to deal with. At bottom line, there's no different than when we go to the food store or somewhere else. Is it convenient? Are they nice? Is it always a hassle when I go there? Well, if it's also if it's always a hassle when I I go there, I'm probably going to end up going somewhere else because you know meat is meat, or you know vegetables are vegetables, right? Right. So. Um, we we really um, we've really been very fortunate that by our partnerships with the software companies and the camera companies have really helped give us uh, credibility to like new customers because they're the ones basically promoting us to these customers saying you really ought to be using these guys because you know we know that our cameras run seamlessly or our software runs flawlessly on this product. In fact, we just did a partnership with one of the software companies that's actually starting to um, sell our service, which is, which is actually pretty cool for us. Okay, got it. Okay, so, you know, the w- one thing that really, you know, that I always ask is, you know, what, what's one big struggle that you face while growing this business? Well, I mean, the fact that we started doing this migration in early 2008, around April, is when the U.S. housing market went to crap, and um, I can say crap, right? Yeah. And, and um, um, let's just say it wasn't the greatest timing, especially when you're counting on your IT foundation, a very strong, you know, twenty million dollar base of IT business. I was counting on that to help fund my migration over to the uh, video world. And um, let's just to say that the IT market went flat would be kind. The IT market went south, so it was a struggle, um, especially when you're a privately held company. It was a, it was an interesting struggle. I just we just started building our house, so the timing probably wasn't perfect. But as I learned a long time ago from a guy smarter than me, there's no greater motivator for a salesperson than debt. So um, we just kept our our nose to the grindstone. We kept our core competency. We kept working our path. And we've had great success, but I won't lie to you. It was 2008 and were a struggle for this company because we couldn't get that transition done fast enough to IP. But we did get some early uh, success in 09, which really helped us when a couple of the, lar- the largest integrators committed to our product, which gave us, well, we already had the confidence, but it, it just restored our confidence that we were, we were going the right way. So was that more of a, you know, they, they, you know, you got those deals in 09. Was that more of a timing thing than anything? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like they were big multi-million dollar deals, but they were certainly multi-million dollar opportunities and they were, and they had basically committed to our, you know, product. So we knew we, on the right path, we just had to still maintain our way and get, get through the 08, 09 stuff, which we did and, and, and move ahead. And again, those, those two companies are still two of our largest customers. Huh. You just brought up an interesting question. You know, when it comes to pricing your thing, you know, you know, you talk about you know, you sell typically. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's, it sounds like it's five year contracts, something like that. Uh, it's actually it's not a contract or a okay. lease. It's basically they buy it outright. But the okay. but for the most part, the integrator is on the hook with the customer for a five years for the for the lifespan of that project. And what we we say is this server is built to run all five years and and, and then some. It's not gonna die on day, you know, on the first day later, but it's built to run for five years with no touch anymore. Okay. 
Got it. So, you know, I always, I think, you know, it's always interesting to hear about pricing from different companies. So how do you guys go about pricing your product? Well, you got to be competitive to the street. I mean, the street dictates the price. It's like anything else out there, shoes, cameras, whatever. Um, and, and Dell, for the most part, dictates price. You know, people buy Dell. I always contend people buy Dell for the video market because they just don't know any better. And part of our process is education. And any chance we've had to go against the Dell, uh, we have products that do spec out against the Dell, you know, price point wise. Um, and we've been very um, successful in moving them over to our platform. So we really, we don't set our prices, the market dictates the price. And luckily we've been very fortunate by working with HP. HP is very committed to what we do. We are their authorized video like security arm for the world. Um, I guess we're kind of called HP for video. Um, that's their terminology. They've really helped us on price points and giving us the, the, the not only the products but the the price points we need to go attack this market and have been our biggest fans as we've had this great success HP is president of the BC video you know, fan club okay and your um, you know when you first started this company you know you've been in IT for a while so you know these fortune 500 deals did you already have these relationships to really you know get things kick-started yeah, I mean, I, when I opened the company in 99, I had two or three accounts that I kind of, you know, anybody tells you differently, they're they're crazy. But you want to find out before you go do this, you ask your customer in confidence, and you hope it stays in confidence, hey, if I do this, I'm not asking you to move your business, but would you at least give me a shot? Okay. I'll say absolutely, and, you know, and, you know, that's really how it started because you wanted to have that confidence. Now, as it turned out, my biggest customer, you know, we did ten, we did ten million dollars our first year with three people, no warehouse, just an office, and um, um, our biggest customer for the year wasn't even one of the customers that I took with me. Wow. So yeah. Okay. Cool. So it, it was a chance meeting in a restaurant, one of those blind dates. Blind dates are great, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, walk us through, you know, how this feels because you know, at enterprise. When I, I'm calling this enterprise sales, when you go into meetings like this, where you're talking about, you know, six or seven figure deals, you know, how do you, do you have any, you know, secret to preparation? Any any secret you can share with the audience on how to do these? You know, the the, the real thing is to listen to the customer. He is going to tell you what he needs if you can find it. He, he he may be vague. He may not be vague. But if you listen, you're going to find opportunities within that conversation where you've got a like solution. But it's, it's really hard to start a meeting telling him all, all the things you can do, excuse me, without knowing what, what he needs. So um, that's really where we've had the success is, is you know, hearing where, where, where their pain points are, never ripping the product that he's using because for all you know, he's the one who's it in. So if you're ripping the product, you're kind of ripping him. Um, and find ways without mentioning it by name things that your solution does differently around and that seems to have been very you know fortunate for us okay and you know I, I hear from you know I've read sales books I hear from other sales executives you know you should listen like a certain ratio and talk a certain percentage of the time do you have like a, a ratio that works for you people love to talk about themselves my my ratio is if you had a meeting and you just shut up the whole time let the guy talk to be a great meeting <laughs> I, I, seriously, Dale you know, Carnegie, huh? Yeah, I mean, let the guy talk. I mean, let him talk about himself, and you know, he'll feel good. And you know, you don't know when he's going to start toning you know you out. And 
just keep your mental notes and by the end of the of it give them a quick recap so he knows that your listening skills are there and say hey look here's where I think we can help you you know, you know? sometimes I, I find myself you know waiting to speak instead of actually listening because it's difficult for me to you know recall all these notes at the end of the conversation so it's like I, I need to get what I want to say out immediately you know it, it, have you you know how do you go about dealing with that uh, I have a very strange photographic memory uh, to a point although you know older age is kicking in so I, I, I have no problem taking notes during meetings you know I have my, my little notebook and I just make notes and I think the customer doesn't see that as a weakness. I think, if anything, it might see it as a strength because, you know, I, it's, I, I'm detailed enough that I want to make sure I, I don't miss anything that's, that I think is key. Um, I don't do it on my smartphone because I think that's when the customer thinks that you're texting somebody else, that you're not taking notes. So I, I use old-fashioned notebook, a paper notebook, and a pen. That but, works. Uh, it works, yeah. Okay. Great. So aside from the time where, you know, 2008, it sounded like, like, like there was a struggle there. But was there at any point in time, maybe when you first started or a year after, was, it, was the company on, was there any point where the company was on the brink of failure? Uh, we were never on the brink of failure. We, you know, we were lucky. We had built, by 2008, we were like nine years into it. We had built great credit up with our vendors. Um, you know, we had a very couple of very tough years as we were doing the transition. Uh, lost some money along the way, you know, significant money along the way. But we noticed that no one cut our credit lines because we've always paid our bills on time. That's never stopped. Uh, no question back then they were probably asking for more reports than usual, you know, that scrutinization. But we, and we got it. But they, like I said, they never cut our lines. So it, it was a tough couple of years that we certainly have recovered from since. And like I said, we just stayed the course. We believed in what we went. It took us a long time to get our proposal of what we wanted to do through HP Legal because it, it, it was contrary to HP's go-to-market strategy. Um, so we had to go through their whole like compliance program. And we were steadfast and this is the only way we're going to succeed is if we're building on HP. If we're building on a white box like everybody else, be it a super micro or some chassis, we're no better than anybody else. And by having an HP brand Solution that we co that we like co brand it gives us credibility for as an as an enterprise solution for the market. Okay, wonderful. And you know, wrapping up here, a few more questions for you. You know, what's oh. what's one piece of advice you'd give to your twenty five year old self? To my twenty five year old self? Yes. Oh, there we go. Um, you know what? I have no regrets. I have no regrets on the business. I know we went through some tough times, made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I think that's part of the learning process. If I had started all over again, it, you know, I'd probably do it the same way. I'd probably hope that the 2008 financial decision doesn't happen. But other than that, uh, you know, we made we had some trial and error error points along our way, but um, those are early on. I think you learn from those. You know, I, and the old adage is not mine is. You learn more from your mistakes and from your like, um, from your successes. Um, you know, I, I wish I knew then what I know now. I mean, that'd be great. But other than that, um, I, I think the way we did it was important to who we are today because what we really are is just a like mosaic of all those lessons learned along the way. And I think we're better. I think we're better off by going through those pitfalls and pratfalls, frankly, than just being able to open the door and say, "Here we are," and it's just great. Interesting. Okay. 
I'll take that. And what's uh, one's, what's one productivity hack you can share with the audience? What's one what? Productivity hack. Productivity hack? Yeah. So for example, I'll, I'll give you an example. So for example, you know, you, you talk about waking up at 5.30 in the morning, right? You know, sometimes I try to wake up at 5.30 or 6. I leave my phone really far away. So I for sure have to get up when the alarm goes out. That way I have to get up. You know, it's stuff like that. Well, one thing that I did was I don't keep my smartphone on my nightstand anymore. I mean, my wife made a comment to me like three years ago, you never hold my hand anymore because your phone's already is always in it. And that struck me. And since then, um, when we go out for dinner, I keep my phone home, actually, because you know what? Who's more important, right? And now what I do is I keep my phone way down the hallway by the back door, you know, because I don't want to be able to turn over the night at two in the morning and start checking my emails because yep. once I'm up, I'm up. So it does help me sleep. You know, I don't get out of the bed to go check my phone at two in the morning. Um, because you know we have a lot of European customers, so the problem with being global is somebody's always open. So if you go ahead and you just read, see what's waiting for you at two in the morning, all of a sudden your day has just begun. Yeah. So I tried to not sure that it was I answered the question correctly, but no, you got it. No, I think it really hit home when you said you talked about you know your wife saying you know you don't even hold my hand anymore, and and that's a big thing I think you know the the phone is starting to really take controls uh, control of everyone's right. life here. So. No, it, 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 Yep. Yeah, that always struck me. That always struck me because, um, you know, it's like, wow. I, I never realized it, frankly. And mm -hmm. now I'll never forget it. So Got it. All right. As you can tell, as you can tell my wife's a very important part of my life. Yeah. No, it, it's great that you have that prioritization because a lot of times you see, in the, especially in the technology world, it's just all about work, work, work. So it, it's really refreshing to see that. I'll just put it that way. And it's, it's impressive. So um, It doesn't mean I'm not checking emails at 9.30 at night. You know, on the couch while we're watching the show together. You know, she reads books, I read emails. You know, but um, it, you know, again, there's a time and a place. Got it. Okay. Final question for you: What's yeah. one must-read book you recommend to the audience? Oh, I'm not a big book guy, but uh, she got me for Christmas last year a book. By, I think it was Kevin Sheridan called "Managing or Corporate uh, Corporate Culture." Or, Magnet culture and corporations, and I'm, I should know it, but I devoured a book in four hours. And I'm not a book reader; I couldn't put it down. And it talked about engaged employees, and I mean, I, I was actually annotating the book and bringing it to other officers here in, in, in the you know company, saying, "You got to read this." He's talking about us. So, yeah, it's called um, uh, "Darn It," uh, something about managing corporate culture or magnetic cultures and corporations. It's, it's from Kevin Sheridan. Got it. Okay. We'll make a note of that one and we'll link to it in the, in the actual interview. So we'll yeah. find it. Yeah. Um, it's a, really a great book. Perfect. Cool. And I'll have to pick it up too to, to help my company too. Um, but anyway, you know, Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show. Definitely want to have thanks, you on the show yeah. again some other time. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me and, you know, hope it uh, works out. All right. Take care. All right. Have